Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Bible Baptist Church. Truly, God is good. Amen. Amen. Several thousand years ago, a man stood up before a similar congregation and he said those same words. He was a song leader, like Brother Matt and like our pastor Andrew, and his job was to stand before a group of people and really point them to the goodness of God. That was his job description. He was leading people to worship this God. And I think if I were to ask you all today to raise your hand, if you believe that God is good, I think I'd be surprised if I, I didn't see every hand here. Matter of fact, if we ask our, our music pastor, Pastor, is God good? He is. Our music pastor says so, and we know that, that uh, Pastor Matt here says the same thing. We saw them leading us to that today. The man's name was Asaph. Several thousand years ago, he was, he was living during the time of David. He, lived, he was the song leader during the life of David. And he said this verse, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. And, and this makes sense. We agree with him. We say amen. We, we wholeheartedly agree. We share that on our Facebook page, right? God is good. That's why the next verse that comes after that is so shocking to us. Psalm 73 verse 2 says this, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. This song leader, this man chosen by God to lead people to worship him, was kind of having an identity crisis. He said, yes, I believe, I know my my mind says that God is good, but I'm having a hard time believing that in my heart right now. We're going to look at this passage here for the next few minutes that we have, and we're going to study uh, the lessons that Asaph learned from this, this crisis that he had. As we get started, let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you for an opportunity to hear your word and song today. Lord, thank you for just directing our hearts to worship you, even through the ministry of music. God, as we open your word, help us to learn truth from it. God, thank you for the relevance of your word and the timeliness of it. God, thank you for preparing our hearts this morning. God, we we ask that you teach us more about yourself and about ourselves through your word this morning. Give us humility, give us ears to hear, and God, use this passage to deepen our understanding of who you are. In your name, amen. Let's continue reading here so we can understand what's going on in this passage. You're probably there by now, Psalm 73, and we'll continue here. Verse 2, I read it once, I'll say it again. It says, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4 says, For there are no bands or pain in their death. Their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. 
and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak this, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. God is good all the time, right? We hear this and we're supposed to say all the time, God is good, amen? And, and these are phrases that we commonly hear in church on Sunday. It's the right thing to say. We all would be looked at pretty strangely if we wouldn't respond in agreement when we hear this. Yes, God is good. We know it. We believe it to be true, especially on Sunday. Often the question is asked, why do bad things happen to good people? And you've heard that from many people, unbelievers and believers alike. The despair of Asaph in Psalm 73 arises kind of from the opposite question. He says, why do good things happen to bad people? This is another question that can be very difficult to answer and has plagued humanity for many centuries. And I'm sure that people in this room have asked that question. Maybe you're asking that question even today. This question resonates with us. We're surprised because we don't want to be the ones to say it, right? We don't want to have to be the ones to ask that question. We don't want to look unspiritual. We don't want to be the ones that say, hey, I'm the good person, but the good things are happening to the bad person over there. We don't want to say that. But I believe that in Asaph's honest admission here, we are given the answer to one of life's most challenging questions. Aren't you thankful for a book that is timeless? The same question that Asaph asked has been asked over and over and over again for all of history. And we're still seeking, many are still seeking to find the answer to this question. And so we're going to look at what God showed him in this passage here. The first thing we see here is his honest admission. We've read through these verses, but I just want to highlight a few of the the main kind of the arguments here that he has against the wicked. He says, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Psalm 73 verse 5 here says, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. And you may have caught it, but in verse 14, he says, for all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. He says, they're the ones, they're not in trouble like other people. They're not plagued like other people. I'm the one that's plagued. I'm the one that's having trouble. Matter of fact, every morning when I wake up, I'm chastened. There's pain every morning. I know there's people in this room that have pain every time they get out of bed in the morning. Every time you wake up, you're reminded with the difficulty of life. That's, that's where Asaph was. He says, every morning, Lord, I am in pain. And yet they don't have trouble. They don't have difficulty. Verse 6 says, therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. They wear their pride like they put on their clothes. They're not trying to hide it. You know, maybe we struggle with pride, but we at least try to hide it, right? They're putting them on as clothes. They're walking around boldly, and they're showing everyone, this is who I am. I'm a prideful person, and they're not even trying to to hide it or be cautious about it. They speak openly about their sin. Verse 8 says they are corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. Not only that, but they disrespect God openly. 
I mean, just over and over again, their, their transgressions, their sin is building and building. They say in verse 9, they set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. They look at God and they disrespect him just in front of everybody. They're not even trying to hide it. Do you know people like this? Maybe you work with people like this that are not even careful in the way that they speak about God. I, I feel like there used to be a, uh, at least a general reverence, even among unbelievers, about the name of God, but it seems like that is going out the window in our day and age. There's so many people that walk around this earth and they just disrespect God. They don't even care. They walk so boldly in the face of a powerful God, and it seems like he is silent. Psalm 73, 11 says, and they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? They walk around questioning God's character. They say, God's not a God of justice. He's, he, yeah, you, you believe that God is holy. You believe that he's just. But look, look at the way I'm living my life. And I'm living a pretty good life. Like, everything is coming together for me. And look at your life. You're the one that's in trouble. And yet, it says they prosper in the world. And they increase their wealth. After all of these things that I just read, we would expect to see them being destroyed and sent directly to hell. And yet, it says they prosper. (laughs) Not only do they survive, they prosper. And they increase in wealth. And yet, here we are, trying to live a life of righteousness and holiness. And yet, we're the ones that are waking up with pain in the morning. We're the ones that are chastised and troubled every day. And it doesn't make sense to our brains because we believe that God rewards righteousness and punishes wickedness. And so Asaph was having an identity crisis because here he was, a a believer in the one true God, and he was trying to live a life that pleased God, and yet his life was so difficult compared to the life that he was seeing the wicked people live. He was faced with really (laughs) a difficult reality. We saw basically this honest admission of Asaph, but, but the difficult reality was Asaph, not only was he a believer in God, he was also, well, in full-time ministry. And he was expected to come up to this place and lead other people to worship this God. And he was trying to convince them that God was good, and yet in his own heart, he was struggling to believe that. I wonder if you've ever been there. I wonder if you're there now. You're, you're in a position where you're, you have an opportunity to influence lives. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a school teacher, a sibling. And there's people that are looking to you to teach them about God. And you, and you know the right things to say. And you want to give them a good impression of God. And yet in your heart, there's a conflict going on. Because there's days that you don't believe that God is truly good. And you're struggling to accept this. And you're struggling to have a right attitude towards God. All the while trying to lead others to worship him. And that is a difficult place to be. And that's why he says, as for me, my feet were almost gone. (laughs) My steps had well nigh slipped because I was envious at the wicked. I was envious at the foolish. Friends, have you been there? Are you there now? Asaph's job was to remind the Israelites of the goodness of God, to provoke them to worship. And yet this was the battle going on in his heart. (laughs) He finishes this section by saying, when I thought to know this, he said, it was too painful for me. Verse 15 says, 
If I say these things, behold, I'm going to offend the generation of your children, Lord. I can't say these things out loud. (laughs) What are they going to think of me? I'm supposed to be leading them to worship. I can't tell them that I'm struggling to believe in you, God. And so he was in this dilemma because he, he knew the right things to say, and yet his heart was causing doubts and bitterness against the same God. And so we see in verse 17 a perspective switch. It says in verse 17, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. It really shows us just a a complete change in direction here by the psalmist. Asaph, he stopped looking in at his life. He stopped looking at the things he needed, the things that he had that he didn't want to have, like the pain in the morning. He stopped looking at the things that he wanted, the things that were difficult in his life. And he began to look to God for answers. You know, man, as a rule, has very small thoughts about God and very large thoughts or high thoughts about himself. And I, I find myself in that same boat there. I often have a very small view of God, and as a result, it affects my understanding and my perspective of him. Turn with me to verse 18 there. It says this, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou wakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. Asaph realized that in God, we are given far more than the wicked will ever receive. He had found something. He had found this depth of blessing in this relationship with God that he realized the wicked will never experience. And though on this earth they may be living a good life, seemingly they may have everything they want, the truth is we have eternal blessings through this relationship with God and and our place at the table, being, being part of the family of God. We have been given so much more than the wicked. He stopped looking in at his own life. He took his eyes off of himself and put them on God, and he began to realize all that he did have. I'm going to tell you the things that he identified here, many other blessings that come with a relationship with God. But here's just a few that Asaph identified. Verse 23 says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast held me by thy right hand, the presence of God. Is that not a gift from God? We, no matter what this life looks like, no matter what your day looks like, no matter what God brings into your life, we can be confident in the fact that we are going through it with God. We have the presence of God in every step of our life. The counsel of God, verse 24 says, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. That is such a blessing. I don't know about you, but I don't always have the answers. But knowing that I have a God that does and a God that is with me, That is something that I can be incredibly thankful for. Asaph began to realize, he began to count his blessings as the song goes. He began to think about, wow, what do I have in God? The presence of God, the counsel of God, the promises of God. Verse 24, it continues after it says, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. It says, afterward, receive me to glory. 
And there's some debate whether or not the psalmist is speaking of eternal life here uh, or not, but I, I believe that he is. It really seems like he is. Psalm 49, another similar passage, verse 15 says, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Friends, as New Testament believers, we can look with confidence towards the next life. <laughs> Even if wickedness is not dealt with until eternity, we know that it will be dealt with righteously and justly in eternity. We are looking forward to a day where we will spend eternity with God. Even if this life has its fair share of trials and difficulties and burdens, we know that we are promised a day when Christ will come and he will rescue us from this life and he will bring us to a new heaven that is going to be a lot better than this earth, right? And so that is something that we have to look forward to as believers that the wicked people did not. You know, the devil had used lies to deceive Asaph. He was so focused on the things that he did not have that he had forgotten what he did have. And what he did have, friends, it was an everlasting and all-knowing God that only deals righteously. He only deals justly. And he will always punish evil and reward righteousness. Even if we don't see that in our lifetime, we can be confident in a God that keeps his promises. He is a God that says, I cannot lie. I can only do righteously. And so we know that no matter how difficult our life is, no matter what God brings into our path, we can be assured that God will deal with wickedness. God will reward righteousness. And we will see that in the next life, especially. We can take that to the bank. We can be confident in God's promise-keeping ability what I love about this passage is it's really, it's kind of like a counseling pattern for our own lives. I often go back to this passage in my own life because in the story of Asaph, we're given really a biblical pattern of hope here. He was despairing at the beginning of this passage. He was struggling. He was overwhelmed with the weight of life. And when we no longer have a desire to serve others or grow in our personal walk with the Lord or identify just problem areas in our life, we have to go back to the word. We, we identify wrong thoughts that we're thinking about God. Asaph was, was thinking some wrong thoughts about God. He was trying to convince his worshipers that God was good while not believing it in his own heart. He felt that he was not being treated fairly. Have you ever been there? Have you ever struggled to believe the goodness of God or the providence of God, the security of God, the peace of God? Have you ever struggled to believe that. You see, sometimes we have a divorce in our, in our formal theology and our practical theology. We'll stand up today, and, and I heard many amens when I said, God is good, and you all believe it, and you all agree with me. And yet, Monday morning, when we wake up with that pain, or we go to work with that coworker that is flaunting his wickedness and walking around, acting like there's not a God in this world, and we struggle to believe that God is good. The truth is, we have to go back to the word of God so that we can be convinced because our hearts will try to deceive us. He had to realign his thoughts with the truth of the word of God before Asaph could find hope. Friends, this is something that you can do. You have the tools to do this. When your heart begins to doubt the goodness of God or any other character and attribute of God, what we do is we open this book and we find out what God says about himself and what he says about our sin and we realign our thoughts with the word of God, because we know this is truth. And that's what Asaph did. He said, I went into the temple of God and I worshiped. 
And that is a great help to us when we are doubting the goodness of God. When we take our eyes off of what's going on in our life, in our workplace, in our home, that difficult marriage that we're in, or whatever it may be, and we begin to say, Lord, teach me about yourself. Show me what you have given to me in salvation. Show me what you have delivered me from. Teach me who you are, Lord. That's exactly what Asaph did. He stepped back. He kind of took a break from the cares of this world, and he said, Lord, show yourself to me. You know, something about pain, somebody once said pain is a, as a megaphone. It was C.S. Lewis. You're all familiar with him. He said this, this man was watching his wife, his beloved wife of many years, die of cancer, and he said something that really stuck with me. He said, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And that's what happened in Asaph's life. This pain brought him to a place of deeper reliance upon God. He continues here. Verse, uh, verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. What a way to conclude this text. My portion may not be that house on a hill. My portion may not be maybe even physical health and comfort. That may not be the path that God has chosen for me. My portion may not be an easy marriage or a satisfying job or, or even kids that honor and glorify God. That may not be the portion that God has given to me. It may not be an easy life in my future, but Lord, you are my portion. And that is enough. The Lord is our portion, and that will always be enough. He is always good, and He is only good. He gives and He takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Whom have I in heaven but thee, and there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Can you say that with me today? Who have I in heaven but thee? Lord, there is none on this earth that I desire besides thee. Friends, we do not lose heart. There's a verse in this passage that I would like you to highlight because you may find this to be necessary at some point in your future. Verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Underline that, highlight it, star it, put it as your iPhone background, whatever you have to do to be reminded that when your heart is telling you lies about God, you must go back to the Word of God and realize that the Lord is the strength of our heart. That is where the strength comes from, because our flesh fails us, but God is the strength of my heart. 2 Corinthians 4, I'll end with this. 16 through 18 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
while we look not at the things which are seen. You see, that's what Asaph was doing. He was looking at the things that were seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's the lesson that Asaph learned. God is a righteous judge, and he will deal with wickedness. But he is also a good God that gives us everything that we need, and he ordains the steps of our life. And we can take that to the bank. Friends, we can be confident in the goodness of God. But if your heart begins to fail you, go back to the word, because the Lord is the strength of our heart. Let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you for an opportunity, God, to just open your word. God, I'm so thankful that you chose to include this story in your book. It has helped me through many difficult days, Lord, and I know it has been a blessing to individuals in this church as well. God, use this as a reminder in our life to serve you well. And when we begin to have doubts, Lord, to go to the word and realign our hearts with the truth that you have given us. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy on us as sinners. Thank you for your justice, your promise to deal with wickedness, Lord, but your grace in forgiving our own, Lord. Go with us today. Lord, help us to have high views of you and a right understanding of you that's based on the word of God. Lord, thank you for these people and the work of Bible Baptist and its influence on my own life here, Lord. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.